Thank you, Tom. Good morning, Rimrock. Good morning. Good to see you guys today. If you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 7. We're in the home stretch of this series that we've been on in the, uh, through the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 5 of Matthew, um, Jesus begins to redefine kingdom values and how, we can, how God wants us to live. In chapter 6, he begins to clarify how we're to relate to God. And now in chapter 7, he's going to begin to give us some uh, instruction on how we can interact with each other in light of the kingdom and in light of our relationship with the Father. Uh, and so I'm excited to get that started, chapter 7, today. I want to start with a poll. You know, polls are pretty important, uh, or it seems, right? It seems like that's the only way that some people can figure out what the rest of us are thinking. So they'll take a poll. So uh, we're going to do a little poll this morning. Uh, not embarrassing, but just raise your hand uh, if, when I read a statement, if it's uh, true for you, okay? It's, it's, that's simple. It's just this. You want to practice? All right, let's practice. Ready? Okay, some of you needed the practice, okay. All right, here we go. Here's the poll. Here's the first question. Raise your hand if you've ever received encouragement from a phone call or a note. Anyone? Some of you. Very good. All right. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever been conf uh, con um, comforted by a hug from a friend. Anyone? Some of us. Good. All right. Raise your hand if you've ever felt insulted by a harsh comment. Anyone? Okay, last one. Raise your hand if you've ever been motivated to change by someone's judgmental words. Anyone? Okay, a couple of you weirdos. Okay, good. Here's the question, right? Like, here's the question that I've been wrestling with for the last couple weeks, right? Is judging always a negative thing? Is judging always a negative thing? I'm not going to answer it. So, <clears throat> but in our culture today, we hear phrases like, who are you to judge me? Or, uh, let him who is without sin throw the first stone. And sometimes those, those comments, those phrases are made and it seems like by people who believe that there's, there's no place for evaluating others' beliefs or values. Sometimes it's almost, um, it, it might almost be a, a, an indication that they believe that morality, that truth is relative. What's true for you isn't necessarily true for me. But I think sometimes that position or that thinking is reinforced even by today's text. So let's read it. If you've got your Bibles uh, or your apps, look at uh, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start with verse 1. Here's our text for today. Do not judge, Jesus says, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So what's Jesus saying? You know, so many times when I read the Bible, I just want it to be very clear. And so I don't, I don't always look for this underlying meaning. I just I want to trust that the words that, that are written down are the words that I need to try to understand. So what is Jesus really saying? When he starts with do not judge, I want to just kind of take that at face value. But I think that in our culture today, it's been a little twisted. And so I really think, as I've been thinking about this over the last two weeks, I really, I want to explore it. I want to ask this question legitimately. Is, what is Jesus really saying? It prompted a couple of other questions. One of the questions, and I think we have this, this misunderstanding in our culture, the question is, does sin even matter anymore? I mean, does our, does our, do our beliefs and our behavior, does it even matter? I think there's a definitive answer. Yes, it matters. Romans chapter 6, Paul writes, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And he says, by no means. We are those who have died to sin, so how can we live in it? any longer. Sin matters. If we're believers, we're to live in the direction of holiness. Can we ever be perfect and holy? No, but should we live in that direction? Yes. Sin matters. So that's not what Jesus is saying. He says, don't judge because it doesn't matter. Sin matters. So what is Jesus saying? Is he forbidding us from addressing or even evaluating other people's behavior? I don't think so. No. Because in just a couple of verses, in verse 15, in this very chapter, Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. So Jesus isn't saying just ignore all that. He's saying have open eyes, evaluate, uh, uh, see what is going on in other people's lives. You will see their fruit, the fruit that their life produces, their beliefs, their values, their convictions. All of that will come out in the way that they live and we're to evaluate it. So Jesus isn't saying sin doesn't matter, That's so don't judge. He's saying, and, he, and he's not saying... Uh, uh, we shouldn't look and evaluate uh, what we see around us. He's not saying that either. But I think what Jesus is doing, he's commanding us, commanding us, and he's cautioning us that when we do speak into somebody else's life, when we do comment on behavior and beliefs that we've got to balance we've got to balance these three aspects I think there are three things that we have to balance here 
before we speak. Are you ready? You have something to write with? You're going to have to write them down. I didn't put them in the bulletin. Like, no, this isn't like a freebie Sunday. Like, I didn't put the notes in there for you. So now you've got to write them down. Are you ready? I'm stalling here just a little bit, just so that you can get your pencil. In fact, this is not in my notes, so it's a little dangerous for me to say this. But here, here's the thing. So I've been reading, and I've been meditating, and I've been looking at this for, for about two weeks. And I have to admit to you that my chest is really sore because I feel like there's a finger in my chest as I read this. And these three aspects that we have to balance, I feel like God is just saying, okay, pay attention, buddy. This one's for you. This one's for you. So I want to share with you these three aspects. I, I, I feel like, man, Jesus is saying, be careful. Here's the first one. The, the first thing, the first aspect of this that we have to have in mind, we have to balance this. The first one is examine yourself first. Examine yourself first. What does Jesus say? You have to remove the plank from your own eye before you can see clearly uh, into somebody else's life. So you have to examine yourself first. We have to see ourselves clearly and honestly and rightly. That we have to see that uh, I am a sinner and I am not perfect. And when I, when I began reading that and began thinking about that, what came to mind was Isaiah's experience. Isaiah was one of God's prophets. I, uh, Isaiah brought a, a, a tremendous message that foreshadowed Jesus' ministry and Jesus' life and his work on the cross. Incredible what God did through Isaiah. But there's this moment in Isaiah's life when God, through a vision, took Isaiah into the throne room of God. And in Isaiah chapter 6, he describes it. I want to read it for you. Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to read uh, verses 1, 4, and 5. Here it is. In verse 1, he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. In verse 4, at the sound of their voices, these are, these are beings that he describes that are circling the throne and they just are continually singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And Isaiah is seeing this and he says, at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah cried, Woe to me! I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And folks, before we go digging around in somebody else's eye, we have got to see ourselves clearly. We have got to have an Isaiah moment. We have got to have a, a, a time when we come face to face with a holy God and we compare ourselves to a holy God and come to the conclusion that we are a wreck. We're a mess. 
It does no good for us to compare ourselves to somebody else. Not at all. We need an Isaiah moment. And as we stand before a holy God and we realize, oh, I need a Savior. I'm in trouble. Isaiah says, woe to me. Now, when we have that perspective, then we're in the right place to be able to speak about somebody else. It's got to start with us. It's got to start with us because that allows us to see ourselves more clearly and then to see others in the right light. We've got to start with us. Here's the second one. The second aspect that we need to to balance here. Here's the second one. We have to choose our standard carefully. Jesus says, with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Whew. Sore chest, anybody else? Yet? Whew, this is a big one. The measure, the standard that I use when I look and I make uh, determinations about other people, that's the standard that's going to be used right back at me. We've got to be very careful. I worked with a guy in, um, in Omaha, a preacher in Omaha, that made this comment years and years ago, and it has stuck with me. Here's, here it is. He says, we tend to judge others on their actions, but we judge ourselves on our intentions. Oh, yeah. Some of you just got, oh, ow. Mm. Right? Let me say it again. We tend to judge others on their actions, but we judge ourselves on our intentions. You know, I've been in the store before. I mean, I've been to a store. That's not earth-shattering. You guys, you guys will share this kind, of ex- this kind of experience, though. I've been in a store, and I've caught a 15-second glimpse of a mom with her kid. I haven't seen what the rest of the day was like. I haven't seen what the first three years of that kid's life has been or that mother's life with that child. I haven't seen any of that. All I see is 15 seconds. And in that 15 seconds, I can make some determination about what kind of mom she is and what kind of kid that is. You know what I'm talking about? Now, in my 15 seconds of wisdom, do I have the right perspective to draw any conclusions? No. I don't have perspective. Who's the only one who has the right perspective to draw conclusions about other people? Who? He's the only one. Because he sees the whole thing. And he sees our hearts. And he knows the motives. And he knows the intentions. Right? Only God is in a position to truly judge. I have to guard against that. And understand that I need to be very careful as the standard 
that I choose because I'll tell you what, as a parent, I've been right where that mom has been and I've responded in a very similar way that that mom might have responded. But because I know my intentions or I know the backstory, I can justify it, can't I? Mm Mm-hmm. I have to be very careful about the standard that I use because that standard is going to be used back against me. And when I keep it in mind, it allows me to respond to somebody with a much greater measure of grace because I don't know what's going on. Here's the third thing that we want to balance this third aspect that we want to balance. We, we, we started with uh, that we have to look at ourselves first in light of a holy God. We have to choose our standard carefully. Here's the third one. We want to comment when it's helpful to the other person. We want to comment when it's helpful to the other person. What this means is that we, want, we need to be, if we're going to speak... We need to be motivated by love, and we need to act in gentleness. We need to be motivated by love, but act in gentleness. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person, how? Gently. Even Paul is not saying, don't speak into that person's life. Just ignore it. Just let it go. He's not saying that. He's saying, but when you speak, do it gently. And we've got to balance these three things. We start with ourselves so we have a right perspective on who we are. We make sure that our standard is not unreasonable. And then when we do choose to speak, it's for that person's benefit. Why would we ever, why, why would we ever speak into somebody's life about their behavior or their beliefs? Isn't it so that they would see what's happening and that they would change their behavior? They would repent from that and be drawn closer to Jesus Christ who can continue to do the work in their hearts and make them more like Christ? Isn't that our desire, our goal? So when we approach the person, let's do it in a way that makes Jesus seem inviting. Since in that moment, we are his representative. Be careful. Be careful. But here's the truth. That speck that's in our brother's eye is painful. I mean, I, really, have you guys ever, really, have you ever had something in your eye? Like, dude, it kills. Like, it's, it's in there, and you got the tears, and your makeup's a mess, and it's like, ah. And what do you do, right? You get something in your eye. What are you doing? Like, you're blinking. You're trying to fix it. You can't go to a mirror because yeah, you can't see so what do you do? You find somebody, you're like, dude, do I have something in my eye? Can you, can you get that? Like, do you see it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I see it. And then you got that really gross job of like, 
you know what I'm, you know, it's disgusting. It's gross. It's a sick job. But listen, when you get it, there's relief that comes. Thank you. Listen, the speck is painful. It's not very loving to leave it there. But we've got, we've got to balance these three things. I want to remind you here that God has not given any of us the job of condemning other people. That is not in our job description. He alone has the perspective and the right to condemn. But when we evaluate other people, the fruit of other people's lives, we have to do it from the position of a fellow sinner. We have to do it in a grace-filled, with a grace-filled standard. And we have to do it for that other person's benefit. Otherwise, keep your mouth closed. Now, this would be a great place right here for me to have Tom and the worship band come up and do what I call land the plane. I mean, we wrap this thing up. But listen, as I've been chewing on this, this whole, the message to this point has been about from the perspective of me as I look at other people and as I respond to other people, right? This is how, if I'm going to speak into somebody else's life, the, the perspective is this is how I can do it. But I want to flip this because I don't think there's anybody in here, I don't think there's anybody in here who's never been on the receiving end of a, of a condemning kind of comment. Harsh words. Now, the comments may have been given with good intention, but they were delivered in a horrible way. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? Every word may have been true, but they, just, they delivered it with a hammer. And when we get comments and we get feedback and we get uh, a rebuke and we get, uh, when we get um, uh, words, feedback spoken to us like that, and it hurts. Feels like a punch in the gut. Ah, oh, it hurts. It cuts. It wounds. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to keep one thing in mind, please. When you receive comments, when you receive words of condemnation or words of judging, Listen, I want you to do one thing for me, one thing for me. Well, two things for me. Two things. I, that was a bait and switch, sorry. Two things for me. Listen, I want you to work hard not to defend or be offended initially. You put that in your pocket. You might use it later. But initially, don't defend. Don't attack. Don't strike back. Don't defend. Don't be offended initially. I want you to work really hard to listen to what they say. Listen to the words that they say. And then I want you to pray the prayer that David prayed. David in Psalm 139, verse 24 and 5. Psalm 139, verse 24 and 5. Here's what he said. David prayed, 
Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. When you receive words that hurt and they cut and they, they wound, don't defend, don't attack, don't be offended. Listen to what they say. And take those words before your heavenly Father, the one who is holy, the one who is right, and ask him if there's any truth to it. That's exactly what David did. He said, God, search me. I'm going to open myself up, look at me, and reveal to me if there's anything that's black. Anything that's nasty, anything that is sinful that might stand in the way of me being with you. Is there anything that you see in me? And then remove it. And when we take those comments that are hurtful, we take those words and we ask our Father who loves us, and we say, is there truth to this? Is he seeing a speck in my eye that I haven't seen yet? Is it true? And here's the beautiful thing about God. He is tender towards us. He is tender. He does not pull out his hammer for his children. He is tender. He says, I see it. it. It's true. Well, there's some part of that that's true. But I have a fix for it. Let me work on that. And we open ourselves up to him and we let him do the heart work in us that removes that thing. He can do that work. He's saying, oh, I've just been waiting for you to ask me, I want to do it. Let me clean that up. But you know there's another possibility because people are jerks. There's another possibility that the words that were cast on you, that beat you, that hurt you, that wound you, are not true at all. And guess what? We take those words and we, ha- we hold them to our Heavenly Father and we say, is it true? Is it true? Look at me. Is there truth in that? And he'll say, you know what? That's not true. That's not true of you. And guess what we get to do with that? Chuck it in the bin. I don't have to live with that. I don't have to carry that. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to deal with it. Because my heavenly father who knows me said that that's not true of me. All I have to do now is just extend forgiveness to this person over here who was a jerk, and then I can go on. Our Heavenly Father will do that to us, for us, in us. But we have to take it to Him. We have to take it to Him. You know where that work starts? 
that work that God wants to do in us starts right at the foot of the cross. The only way that we can stand before a holy God and survive is because Jesus Christ has come and he's taken our sin away from us. If we have a relationship with him, Jesus has covered all of that. He's already taken our punishment. God looks at us and says, you are perfect, you are holy, you're acceptable. I can hang out with you. But not because we're good, but because Christ has covered us. It all starts at the foot of the cross. This morning, we're going to share communion. And I don't know, but that you might this morning be able to have an Isaiah experience. This is a great place to do it. That you would come before a holy God and that you would look at yourself rightly and you would say, man, I need a Savior. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you are covered. And what does that do? It motivates us and it moves us to grace-filled living. Because we know we're wrecked and we've been saved. But some of you here this morning have never entered into that relationship. You've never trusted Jesus for anything. You're like, eh, I'm not into it. But I'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, there's going to be a day when every one of us stands between before a holy God. And you don't want to go into that meeting unprepared. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, whether you want to or not. That's the truth. It's coming. But your Isaiah moment can be today, and it can end the way that Isaiah's ended, which is uh, God purified him. If you read the, the verses that come right after that, and God purified him, and Christ now has done that work, and today could be your day. And it's simple. He doesn't put a lot of hoops in the way of it. It's very simple. Admit that your life's messed up. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you don't have it all figured out and there's no way that you're going to get it fixed. Admit that you're a sinner and believe that Jesus Christ is the only one who can do that for you. If you understand that you need a Savior and you understand that Jesus is your Savior and you invite him to come be that for you, the Bible says you're saved. And then go tell somebody about your faith. Tell them your story. We're going to come around the, the communion table today. And as, the, as the, the bread and the juice are passed out, I'll ask you to hold on to them. We'll take them all together at the end. But let today be the day that you make, uh, when you see yourself rightly, and then choose how are you going to respond